bandwidth for the Weird Things podcast provided by Wired Tree. For sites of any size and world-class customer service, head on over to wiredtree.com. Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to the Weird Things Podcast. I'm your host, Bryce Castillo, as always. Joined, as always, in studio with Justin Robert Young. Hey, friends. What's going on? And Brian Brushwood. Oh, what charisma. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Welcome to the Weird Things Podcast. Hello, everybody. Uh, We got some some weird things to talk about. Are you guys excited to see some weird things? Oh, man. Yeah, dude. I was just love saying, them. like, I swear to God, if I live one more day without seeing one more weird thing, then, oh, I, I shook my fist at the world and I said, you better get weird quick, mister. Knock it off. Get me weird. <laughs> right. Get me weird on the phone. Well, Professor Edgar T. Weird. Yes, hey. it's me. You want to do both sides oh, of the improv? Yeah. <laughs> 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 All right. I'm, uh, I'm Ger- Gertrude, my assistant. I'm on the phone. Oh. Oh, okay, mister, I'll be back. You just let clang, us know clang, when you're done. Clang, okay. I'm a robot, too. <laughs> Boy, how weird. <laughs> this is the podcast about weird news. I don't know if you could tell. Yeah. Um, I've got some stories for you here. I'm going to show you an image. Uh, Brian, can you tell me what we are looking at? <laughs> Looks an awful lot like a bike just riding itself, a ghost bike. Uh, however, if, if, if I'm going to guess... Um, the clues here are there's uh, normally you think of a bike and all of the wheels are aligned forward and backwards. This one seems to have like a flywheel or a, 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 a wait, is a gantry? Is that what you call? It? I, I don't know what it is, but, 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 but it's like a, 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 a gyroscope sideways that is causing it to apparently just be a segue question. So mark? yeah, it looks like it is a self balanced bike that then also is able to identify a hazard in the middle of the road and slowly make its way around it. So I would Im- imagine it basically as just a, a, a self-driving motorcycle, but because it's a bicycle, it seems a little odder. You do realize, and I know I'm coming back to a theme that I've approached many a time, uh, 30 years ago, you could tour with this as an act, <laughs> like, like just, just the bike that drives itself. <laughs> People would line up for that, right? There is no advancement in, in medicine or science that you immediately don't think. Can you believe the gates? If I took this around the fairs of 1985, they'd be lining up at the ticket taker. <laughs> the king of Sheboygan, I'd be. <laughs> so uh, you're right. This is a self-balancing uh, bicycle. This was made by uh, one man. Uh, his name is Ji Wei Zhang, uh, I believe. Uh, that's not going to be right at all. Um, and you you nailed it, Brian. Uh, this is a bicycle that has a very heavy uh, wheel uh, right under the seat that spins, um, and it uses an accelerometer and gyroscopes and stuff to... Um, make that wheel spin and change the speed or direction of that wheel. It's perpendicular to the to the main wheels of the bike to keep it propelled and, and so standing that, that, upright. That's what keeps it, it balanced. Yes, is, exactly. Is, and so the accelerometers, which are really, I mean, kind of the, like, low-key one of the, the 
the pieces of technology that really defines our modern age, not only in terms of phones, but also like so many other like internet of things stuff. Uh, but because those are so cheap, this guy could literally just create a bike that, and wow. So he's like showing it balancing on rails and you can hang a, a bag on one of the, uh, uh, the side, e- e- on even if the it's handles. uneven, uh, unevenly distributed or yeah. whatever. Right. Um, uh, uh, if, if Andrew Maine were, uh, still among us, I would mm-hmm. ask him, I'm almost certain this is how the, um, uh, the Hubble Space Telescope is able to reposition itself. Is it basically just has a bunch of flywheels that just spin, oh. and and then it spin, 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 and it turns left, spin, 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 turns up, and that's how it aims, basically. That's, that's pretty interesting. Um, and so this uh, this also does have a an onboard camera system. So you kind of I think you called it that it has a little bit of object de- detection as well. Oh uh, yeah. Uh, and so we're seeing it kind of uh, avoid so a wait cart a minute. Hold on. in the middle is, of the road. Is, so the the wheel is not only the thing balancing it, but it's also the thing propelling it. Uh, or, or is it? Does it have another motor to propel? No, yeah. no I think there's it, a. It looks like there's there's, a, there's motor. forward backwards motors, and then basically the 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 perpendicular one is the one keeping it from falling over. Right. Here's the big question that you guys are walking right past. Okay. Why in the in the good gosh darn has he not strapped a skeleton to it? And just driven it around to scare mm. old ladies. Well, <laughs> just, can you imagine what that would do at a fair in 1985? <laughs> I can't believe he's doing it for free. Skeleton on it. You're not even going to recoup your skeleton cost. Right? Come on. You're printing money with a skeleton. You're right, though, that it would be. I mean, number one, if, if that guy just started a channel of like, things on the self-riding bicycle yeah. and it was just a skeleton and like the top hat, just people in the chat monocle. and and it's just like like do a bear Vo- voice of john ham coming out of it i'm john ham <laughs> i died recently and here's my skeleton <laughs> still riding <laughs> i'm a madman uh you should all right so everybody let's get in contact we got some hot collabs coming between modern rogue and the and the self-driving uh uh bike guy but you know what's really interesting about this i mean we're talking about um a, a self-propelled vehicle right this is a kind of a new vehicle what how else would you how would you use this how would you because I, I mean it, it, I, I mean well, we, it, we, se- it seems like the forward and backward part seems pretty close to like um a traditional e-bike which by the way I love my e-bike uh the that 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 part seems fairly familiar it's the balancing part that uh really gets me okay um, so like an accelerated uh, like a speed assist yeah 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 program all right going up hills uh or or i mean justin uh how how would these technologies fold into our modern world yeah i mean how would, question? What, what would you use with a self a self-propelled self-balancing uh, self-motorized bicycle. Uh, I mean, the, 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 the ability. Su- if we're to... going to be super real, then then folks who like have uh, late stage uh, Parkinson's or whatever, like like there oh. there are spoons that that correct for sure. the, 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 the palsy yeah. as as yeah yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would say yeah. Just um, uh, who wouldn't want a bike with autopilot? Like just mm. just even beyond what we what we think of now with uh uh, uh you know e-bikes now are basically assisting you naturally pedaling but what if sometimes you just don't pedal and and you also just don't you just you don't can set it and it just goes and you're just along for the ride but well, here's That's- one why do you need to be on it 
Oh, uh. <laughs> oh you could just send it home? Yeah. All right, sure. Like yeah. uh, they they so this I pulled this from Gizmodo. They they uh posit quote well, 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 uh, like, okay. like like an Uber for bikes. This like, bike like, could like, easily like, replace the cars used by services like Uber Eats for smaller orders and would potentially never be delayed by heavy traffic or closed roads. Which I believe they're starting to test here in Austin motorized uh food delivery vehicles. Uh they all have to be like remote piloted and mm -hmm. and, and watched closely or whatever. But 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 are they car size or uh, are they the, little uh, little they're they're, they're they're buggy sized. Uh, they're, okay. they're, they're like, like sidecar sized. Okay. Yeah, I there's think I've seen little, videos of those like on college in campuses the, in, in the in the Domino's commercials. Right. Right. Yeah. So apparently, like that's a real thing that's happening. But also the idea. Uh, so there is a hot minute. Remember when we were all allowed to be outside and everybody had scooters everywhere, and then suddenly yeah. nobody was allowed to be outside and the scooters all vanished. Uh, uh, now all of a sudden it's just Uber for bikes, where it's like, well, I I, I just want a bike. Come bike, bike horses. Uh, yeah. You're like, hi Uber away. Yep. And then it, it comes showing up, and then you, you get to, to ride downtown drunk. <gasps> you can wow. drunk ride now. Yeah. I sh probably shouldn't do that. Oh, no, no, no. You totally should because you could correct everything. Well, how do you Well, it that could up? just go. You could just be on the bike. <laughs> That's right. You'll be very stable in active traffic while drunk. That, yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm glad we're on the same page. I mean, all right. Yeah. Uh, if Josh listeners, is imagine that I have a face on my face. We should do it, but. I mean, yeah. I mean <laughs> we're not okay. endorsing it. Uh, Brian clearly is. I definitely am. Uh, all right. Put a dog it's on it. There you go. Day, Brian it's opposite stand day for oh Brian legally. Hold on. But spiritually. <laughs> Man, my dog joyful on one of these, just with her legs paddling, just everyone freaking out at a Weimar on her, riding a bike. Come on. I could go on too. Get that. Get <laughs> that. Here I come. Gosh darn it. You, you <laughs> rascal. <laughs> so I got another story for you. We, we, we've, we've talked about, um, uh, I just want that in like a big cheers font. Schwooden. <laughs> uh, we've talked before about unique dialects and languages being phased out i remember we've talked maybe, maybe this was over a year ago but like that little uh, island off of the eastern coast mm. where they spoke a, an old timey version of american english it sounded like british and pirates right and yeah and it was going away because all of the kids didn't want to live on an island and they didn't the want to speak that weird ass accent that they'd be made fun of for right. on the i think mainland. they were mostly fine with that they just didn't want to live on an island <laughs> Well, all right. Speak for their souls. Jeez. We watched Christ. a whole video about anyway. So uh, 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 they believe that one language ceases to be spoken every four months. And we believe that there are about 3,054 languages currently endangered around the world. What? So how emotionally should we feel about that? Because that's like saying uh, there are only 3,542 posters of Lamborghinis left on walls of teenagers and every day one gets taken down like uh -huh. do, do, do we boohoo about that or do we just say yeah that's the world changing i again i think that kind of the defining element of our modern age isn't that anything is changing faster or slower or is more or less potent than it was because of the internet but that the internet indeed can record and transmit and distribute everything so it's like, I think you're right that the idea, well, the, the languages might have been dying faster before, 
right? We would have no idea. But now we know that once every four months, a language dies. And so now we like, oh, should I have a feeling about this? Or should I just be like I was the rest of my life and not care? Also, the, 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 the supposition here is that it's like, oh, a, a, a language is dying once every every four months. When will German be gone? <laughs> well, like, and, 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 and in reality, and, and we're talking about specifically endangered languages. Yeah. So that's not even in the count. But sure. So, so yeah. th this is all great. What I I've got a news story that relates to this. Okay. But okay. But, 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 are, but first, real quick, I okay, just want please you go to ahead. I just oh. want you to picture some Sarah McLaughlin music, and it's like uh, in the eyes of an angel. Every four months, a grandfather stops using the word groovy. Every four months, someone forgets how to use Cockney rhyming slang. Oi, governor. <laughs> Every 20 minutes, somebody invents a new meme. Chungus. <laughs> Tell me this. Do all your bass belong to us? <laughs> Are you going to get to the ask? <laughs> nope, that's it. Okay. <laughs> what, now, watch, bit. now watch this dog ride a bike. <laughs> <laughs> like and subscribe. <laughs> We're coming to your town. <laughs> so I've uh, so my question to you is uh what what could we lose from these languages? We I this is to say there's something that we we might and could lose by losing some of these, some of these, you know, native languages. What are some of the things that might not escape the retirement of these languages? I would say certain words, probably. Like I bet you that there are there are words that live in in the origin. Like their origins are probably in some more obscure languages, and then as they go in and out of uh, favor with like the kind of quote unquote like master languages that kind of tend to dominate commerce in the world that they might just go away because now there's not going to be a subsection that would bring it back up. Well, like a tangible example would be, we did in a monorogue episode about a, a so-called thieves cant, which is basically a, a series of euphemisms that you could in the middle of polite society, essentially say, I found a rich widow and I intend to smash her window. I intend to steal her gold and get out before the cops get there. However, everything would be a uh, similar metaphor or whatever, and you could say it right in front of a cop and they would have no idea. So I don't know what we're losing there, but on the flip side, we did another episode talking about uh, the difficulty of communicating a message that could live 300,000 years. For example, beneath this mountain is deadly radioactive waste. There's nothing holy or special about it. This was not a product we're proud of. Please do not dig down into this. Knowing that language drifts, I would say that's a tangible loss to, to the ability to communicate over the ages. Like in an age where I could hand you the original text of Beowulf right now, yeah. and you would have, would have no idea what, what any of that meant, that's technically English. And, yeah. and so, so in that regard, there's something lost. Okay, okay. Um, what, about, uh, what about outside of the actual lingual elements outside of the words or um even like the can't stuff or poetry music okay interesting yeah but i i think that's uh that's because what about uh knowledge 
Okay. So where are we getting at now? Because I know that... Because I think you kind of, you were starting to scratch it with poetry and, and music. Well, well, like one one of the discussions that was had was there, there there's some faction of people that claim that literally human beings could not perceive the color blue until about 6,000 years ago. And as evidence, they take the metaphors of the wine dark sea that are mentioned in the, the Odyssey. And they're like, uh, that doesn't look anything like wine. That's blue. Yeah. And, and it's like, nobody, nobody. And it's like, oh, they invented the ability to see blue by having the word blue, which, which I don't, that's hard for me to get on board with. But I, I guess okay. the, 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 the supposition there is that there, um, there is inherent knowledge in certain languages. Like that, that there is something there that is unique that does not bleed through to other, uh, to, to other languages that are, or when translated, it loses something crucial to it. And so this wisdom, be it, uh, uh, you know, guidance for life or poetry or reactions will, will cease to be when the language goes away. So there is something to that. Uh, let's take, uh, when it comes to numbering systems, you know, the, the Roman numbering systems was, uh, I, 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 V, V, uh, one, two, three, four, five. There was no representation of zero. It took a different language Arabic uh, numeral systems to introduce the idea of zero mm -hmm. that, that advanced things. But that's, that's a case of progression. I'm trying to think of regression. Uh, well, for example, uh, our, our time system is based on, I want to say uh, Phoenician or Egyptian. Uh, it's base six. That's why we have 60 seconds to a minute, 60 minutes to an hour and, and, and so on. So it could be that if that, language full stop was lost and we instead defaulted to kind of, um, I guess, again, I'm stuck on numbers, but, but people say, you know, the imperial system is garbage and metric is the way to go. But the nice thing about the imperial system is that uh, all you have to do is keep on doubling things and, and you're, you're, you know, take about the length of your thumb. That's about an inch, uh, 12 of those. That's about the size of your foot. Yeah. Uh, to, uh, take take your stride. That's about three of those those feet. Um, okay. uh, and and, and uh, it's easy to understand in that regard. So you would lose that if the words changed. But again, I, I feel like I'm drifting away from the real question because these mm -hmm. are all numerical based. And 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 I think you're thinking very big. I think like yeah, if we were going to lose Roman or Egyptian or or uh or something then those would be pretty big but we're we're looking at Wait, very local syllables are you talking about specific syllables we're looking at localized indigenous languages yeah so basically what would be lost if bryce didn't have taco bell points anymore <laughs> like if we lost the whole concept that you could go to taco bell and get rewarded with customer points mm -hmm. like would, would we would we lose the concept that mild is a different level than fire and that the menu items change the more that you go over the 250 <laughs> okay look this is not a horror podcast and i don't appreciate you trying to scare me like that i'm just saying the truth uh, is scary <laughs> i mean like uh, honestly though it's like there is an element of uh, we can look at internet communities as kind of a base level example of this that there are boards that live and die there are digital archivists for whom like collect all the data from GeoCities, if even just to preserve our history we we have a a very small style level of these larger 
you know, societal or cultural trends that happen all the time on the internet where a bunch of people gather and then the bunch of people leave and whatever was learned there is lost if the server bill isn't paid. And this maybe is a silly example, but, but, uh, there was a lot of code talking in, um, uh, magic circles because Mm. people were afraid to use plain language. There's a lot of jive talking by the Bee Gees. Uh, that's true. Uh, (laughs) but, but, uh, it could be that actual magic tricks would be lost because they were too buried and like, use the TT in order to, (laughs) Mm. you know, like, please don't use your TT on stage. Uh, it's uh, like magicians, am I right? Pretty common, uh, <laughs> pretty common know, move. Yeah. So, <laughs> so here's where, and I think Justin, I think you were, you maybe got closest here. Uh, this is uh, from our friends at ScienceAlert.com. Among twelve thousand four hundred and ninety-five medicinal uses for plants in indigenous communities, new research has found over seventy-five percent of those plants are each tied to one local language. The information on how to use these uh, 75%, so I guess about 8,000 uh, medicinal uses for plants are locked away, uh, not locked necessarily, but they are only known in these local indigenous languages. There was a great, um, boy, I wish I could remember if it was a Planet Money or a Radio Lab or whatever, but they were specifically talking about like old um, uh, 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 medicinal cures from, from the 1600s, and they would have stuff like... Uh, uh, mix these ingredients in a brass bowl blessed by whatever, then say 16 Hail Marys. And then somebody said, hey, what if all the 16 Hail Marys wasn't because that was magical? What if the 16 Hail Marys was a timing Timing, device, yeah. Right? And so, and so then they, they mix the onions and the brass and all that stuff. And then they, uh, and now this is in a world where we've become so reliant on um, uh, antibacterials that uh, that that they're starting to lose their efficacy, and so like MRSA, for example, is running rampant in some hospitals. Uh, a couple of people, a couple of doctors tried it, and uh, and tried the old the old the tried, old recipe, tried the old thing like exactly mm-hmm. as written, and then uh, the the response email just said WTF. What what is this? What just happened? Yeah. Uh, because it was like super effective because it it's something that we haven't done for four hundred years. Wow. In uh, in North America, the authors of a study who found this information or found this vulnerability in in languages um, uh, found waning indigenous languages held eighty six percent of all unique knowledge on plant medicine in North America. Um, in the Northwest Amazon, on the other hand, 100% of medicinal plant knowledge is restricted to languages on the edge of extinction. Um, and so this kind of brings to the front a... I, I, I don't even know how, how you would set this up, but some sort of get these guys translation campaign. Or, 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 or basically it would be a preservationist. Uh, and, and to be honest, this, this is one of the things that I suspect uh, sounds like a boring job for a human, but an AI wouldn't care. Like, like uh, go ahead and create an AI, make it the steward of a language, something that you could speak to and have conversations on an ongoing basis, something that is smart enough to understand the currently evolving languages and understand the original intent of, of the old languages uh, that could be supremely valuable. Uh, I suppose so, but also you're describing Google Translate and it doesn't have those languages yet either. Well, I think the idea is that uh, these languages might be spoken in such small pockets of humanity that 
uh, it would be hard to educate an AI to give it the kind of uh, uh, base oh, the level data set. that you would the data set that you would need to make it effective. Well, and, and and that's why I in in this imaginary scenario, what I'm picturing is um, uh, uh, the AI like is embedded with the tribe as it drifts from 150 to 100 to 50 to now it's gone. But the AI remembers how all who came. Basically, the AI becomes the grandfather who remembers exactly like. Oh, you're misinterpreting this. This was originally meant as this. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we 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 anthropomorphize the AI. Well, or or the reverse. The AI uh, accurately remembers what was intended by certain things. Yes, but it has to like physically be around because we don't have people. Correct. Around. Correct. Yeah. 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 Mm. Um. Uh, uh. For example, in New Guinea, about thirty-one percent of uh quote unique all unique knowledge. Uh, is in a threatened language. Thirty-one percent. Can I be the guy who says I don't know about these numbers? Uh, I mean, that's uh, that's cool. That's sure. I'm just going to be the guy that says I don't know about these numbers. Um, it's based on a. That's it's it. based on uh-huh. a study. That's that's the only thing I can say is that it's. He's it's not based denying on a study. the numbers. He's just saying that some of the figures they don't add up. I mean, when we're talking about a hundred percent of 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 plant knowledge uh, uh, in in certain areas, or like yeah, that's here, a lot. We only have uh, uh, let's see, about six percent of higher plants have had their biology studied, which means it's unclear whether indigenous medicinal plants stand up to Western scientific scrutiny. But there's some precedent that it will. I, I don't doubt that it's, I think it is knowledge worth rescuing. Like that, that is, uh, I, I, I do believe. Justin Robert Young wants to destroy indigenous All information. Right. I oh, don't yeah. want to destroy it. I <laughs> that, just, I just, that is something I want to bring back is the attack ads. That, that was a fun thing. Um, I, all I would say is, um, we, we just, uh, I don't know. I, 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 those are just numbers that seem very high to me. Like they, they seem all encompassing, uh, in, in a way that like, all right, so we know that they know this amount. We don't know enough that we can catalog it. We don't know enough that we could, that we could put the time and effort into getting some of this knowledge into public record, but we do know that they know more than the average, you know, uh, you know, Uh, counter Mm. counterpoint would be. Um, I, 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 and I'm trying to steel man their, their side. Uh, they're not saying that they're interpreted correctly. What they have is boots on the ground collection of raw data. And that is what is evaporating. That is what is being lost is that we know for a fact that for a headache, you would use this tree bark and so on. Like, like right. that is, is that finished. when these people die, then that's gone. Correct. Because we have because, not, we because are not nobody able to even study. has the words to right. say yeah. what their grandmother it is, it, suggested they should gotcha. have done. Yeah. yeah. It, it, it's only a known unknown. We know that there is a we can guess that there are certain amounts of information locked away, but uh I I, I mentioned a moment ago we kind of don't know the validity of any of these claims at this point. Um but yeah, it's well it's, and, and also it's there's there's value, real value in knowing what everybody got wrong because Let's say everybody believes something that turned out to be totally stupid and wrong uh, in an age before the placebo effect. That that is a that is an in the wild a natural experiment of 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 how powerful the placebo effect can be. I mean, there's yeah. there's value in knowing all of these things, and if language changing causes us to no longer be able to preserve even the stories, then we lose we lose things. 
well, here's what we won't lose. Our ability to connect with you on patreon.com slash weird things. Patreon.com slash weird things is where you can get this podcast and support it at the same time with your money. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I, I no, you did, got it. Did, did you know that that 10,000 years ago, Patreon was thought to be a tree that paid money. Mm-hmm. Oh, again, now like, we think of it as a tree that tree. pays money. And only through the greed of man did we uh, pave that tree over and create a building where people then realized that they needed to be the tree themselves. Uh, pay your uh, debt to Mother Gaia by going to patreon.com slash weird things and giving us money. Little known fact, uh, Shel Silverstein wrote The Giving Tree about yep. the Patreon. Yep. And uh, uh, and and he and he, he even sat on the tree at the end did. as an old man. That then was the last s- gift. Then he smoked a doob and said, "This one's a banger." <laughs> yep, uh, <laughs> Patreon.com. Uh, I've got another story here for you guys. Sure. Ready? Uh, I'm going to show you a video here. This is from, I believe, Brazil. Here we go. I don't really need the audio uh, very much. Oh my god. Are we watching bees unscrew the top of a Fanta to get inside? Holy crap. <laughs> we are indeed. Holy crap. All right. So there is a Fanta. There are two bees, one on either side of the cap. And it certainly looks like they are lift at the very least lifting it up and throwing it off. Yeah, because uh, it doesn't look like they they unscrewed the whole thing. It, it looks like it was just on the top. Yeah, like it may have been started. But these are th- this is this is actually a really impressive display. These are two bees uh, working together using tools and uh, uh, doing so uh, in sync, out of sight. They are on opposite sides of the yeah. bottle, so they're maybe they're communicating through some other means, but they're not uh, they're not you know giving each other a high sign to to start turning. So, I, I, I let, let, let me let me go full skeptic on this. Um, I'm going to assume that for every one video like this, there's a thousand videos of a bunch of bees just, you know, farting around. Bees. Yeah. yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, uh, I just also, hate seeing those normal bee videos that show up on my feed every day, oh but there's a God, million of them. Geez. Right. Yeah, with the autoplay. Yeah. So second of all, I, I, I think there's a temptation to believe they're communicating in tandem as they work together. Hey, which, Greg, what's up, Steve? Up you and lift? left and yeah. up and left, right? And 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 I, I I don't know that you need that. I would say both bees could be totally selfishly just noticing. I want in, so they push up, and it's like it just oh, so it happens seemed, that it's easier. It seems yeah. like it wants to go to the right, mm-hmm. and then. Um, but they still worked together towards a common cause versus well, say fighting for it. Yes in the same way that they work together for a common cause of killing a mongoose that is trying to eat their queen. Like, it's not like they're all talking about it. They're all just like, yo, we got to sting that thing. It's not like red squadron, <laughs> red squadron, uh, in, in like gold leader to red leader. Uh, we're stinging a mongoose. I'm going to sting him in the eye. You sting him in the ear. Initiate program, protect queen, protect queen, queen under pew, threat. Pew, pew, pew. Bee squad, an elite <laughs> squad of bees that Initi- communicate with each other. Initiate sting protocol. Sting protocol will result in death of bee. Bee death insignificant compared to protection of queen. Initiate queen protection protocol. Super Supersedes queen sting 
we will memorialize our fallen bee squatters uh, as we know what death is because we're bees who love each other. Fanta, delicious. Mm. So, so this situation could have been been lucky, um, but we do know that bees are actually pretty smart. They can learn from each other. They can use tools. They can count to zero. They can count down to zero, and they can perform basic um, mathematical equations. Yeah, that's right. Ah! <laughs> Eat it, Caesar. <laughs> uh, and so even though their brain is 0.0002% of our own brain, uh, it does seem like they have some smarts to them. So it's a little fun B story for you. I, I, so, so when you should be, make a movie. Um, and, and, and by the way, I, I, I don't a mean bee story. I, I, I don't I don't mean to to take anything away from bees. I mean, they do that. They talk, do, talk that talk, man. Get them. No, I'm over coddling bees. I'm over coddling bees. They go and they shake oh, the bees. They, they, they oh, play rum shaker. The and then they and then suddenly all of them know where the flowers are. And yeah. They all go there. I mean, that's that's cool. That is yeah. it's a good time to be a bee. Uh, I got one last story for you here. It's really not. They're all dying. Oh, wait. Is that still a Are thing? Are they still dying? That was, that was so on. the odd. See, this is why I can't stand bees. Are they dying or not? Can M. we M. save them, please? made a movie about it, and, and then everybody was like, well, I guess we solved it. And then we all played Rump Shaker. Yeah. Well, <laughs> that was ongoing. <laughs> so you guys remember when uh, when when the pandemic started and the meme, one of the memes that go- was going around was the, like, nature is healing Meme, yes. right you'd see a photo like you'd see a fake photo of very clear water and it would be like oh, oh i'm in uh yeah. I, i'm in venice and it's like not venice it's like a mile down the road where the water is well, actually water really is clean. always clear yeah, yeah. Uh, I would love. Yeah, basically, but, the idea but, being that that uh, uh, humans not home. doing things mm-hmm. uh, was immediately like it was like a, a proof of our blight on the planet. Uh, I would love to track how popular those memes were over time because. Uh, I definitely remember them from the first three months, four months, five The funny months, thing is that then somewhere around seven, eight months, people stop. I, I didn't see none well, of that. Well, no, no, because to me, the, the, <laughs> like the idea of month nature, 10, the idea month of 11. nature is healing, kind of, it flipped and became a joke about how humans were coming back. Right. Because, like, that was one of the first ones I remember of Vegas was, like, there was a dude at a slot machine that was smoking because he cut a hole in his mask, <laughs> just smoking and playing slots. Like nature's with a healing. Mask on, and it was like nature's healing was, was the joke. It just says, I learned it from a bee. <laughs> yeah. Ah, uh, these smoking bees. So, uh, it turns out maybe there was something to that. A new NASA... Oh. Uh, a new NASA estimate suggests that ozone air pollution may have dropped globally. How much do you think ozone air pollution may have dropped globally? So, uh, uh, and we can just take whatever type of answer you got. I don't sure, sure, sure. Know so, how much so uh, uh, what, one thing about ozone is that you always hear about it like as we need a lot of it in the high stratosphere over the poles. And then meanwhile, it's like, ah, traffic is bad this Tuesday on a, in L.A. There's too much ozone. So I never know how to feel about ozone. Uh, but, there, and, but, and it's true that we do need some ozone in the upper parts of the atmosphere. But in general, a lot of our pollution is lower where we don't need it. Do we still talk about a hole in the ozone layer? Uh, At some I, point, it stops being a hole. 
Well, I mean, do do we even do? Is there a hole in the ozone? Because that that was that was like the number one thing that I heard about as a in kid. the eighties. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, the uh, uh, I, I if if I were to guess, uh, the the biggest offenders have been banned: the chlorophyll fluorocarbons CFCs. Yeah, that was, uh, and, that, was and, that was what we heard. So about. so so whether or not, <laughs> what, uh, my guess is there probably still is a hole, but 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 it's not getting worse. It's getting better slowly. I'm making all of this up, but but that's. As I understand it, that's why now we have new things to worry about. Gotcha. Uh, gotcha. Well, yeah. uh, uh, it turns out NASA believes uh, we have eradicated 2% of all ozone air pollution globally. Across the world. To be totally honest, I we, would no, say... No, 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 no. Hold on. Hold on. Man, uh, statistics are tricky. Sons of bees. Uh, 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 so when you say like like is that two percent of the average growth no, or or all. total? Because if if it's a any it is a reduction. reduction, it is a reduction. Then that's huge. That's that's actually very impressive because when you hear about like uh, oh we're slashing budgets left and right, they're almost always talking about how they're reducing the increase in the budget. Uh, if right. if you're telling me actual ozone has been reduced, uh, I I very rarely have heard that kind of talk. Uh, the, uh, this this article from Science Alert says uh, a target of a two percent drop. I, I, so I, I believe it is correct that this is a reduction in the amount of pollution. Wow! Um, a two percent global drop would have taken fifteen years under very aggressive pollution curbing, um, and that happened this year. That happened because of the pandemic. Oh, in just one year. In one year, yes. <laughs> um, I would take a wild guess that that has as much to do with certain countries shutting down their factories mm -hmm. for extended periods of time. That's right. Uh, Science Alert says the nations that had the strictest lockdowns ultimately showed the greatest emission reduction in nitrogen oxides. In China, for instance, lockdown orders at the beginning of the year produced a 50% drop in these particular pollutants. And we've talked a lot over the years about China's pollution um, issues. When quarantine measures were later enacted in the United States, Europe, the Middle East, and West Asia, uh, nitrogen oxide emissions fell between 18 and 15 percent in April and May, um, and uh, they also point out like with the world coming back, people going outside again, these ozone levels will probably rise again, um, but maybe not. I mean, we're talking, we, you know, it, it's it was like front page news that like workers did not want to go back to work and were quitting their jobs because of it. So I mean, there could be. I mean, maybe not everybody the, the is saying, but I think on it's not the on the on the employee side right. or even the consumer side yeah. you know the the if we look at the heavy lifting in terms of uh global carbon output it's on the factory level and it's on you know the the, the local countries that either do or do not have certain restrictions on the kind of stuff that you can put out into the air yeah uh so that's uh that's a little update from nasa i think that's, that is pretty interesting oh, uh, it would be nice if we reduced pollution for sure um sure ah, but i mean i mean unless it would save us yeah well if it's gonna save bicycles. us well, i mean yeah. what do you just run enough robot bicycles that'll take care of it we'll blow it all out right like we don't even have to have people doing it throw a couple skeletons on it just to make the kids laugh and and uh, next thing you know we, we've blown out all the pollution uh well that'll do it for stories today you guys want to do some picks you guys got anything you want to talk about yes anything you've been up to what's up i've got a I've got to pick. Well, do we want to pick 
Do we want to pick our thing? Are they going to pick the same thing? You tell me, my friend. I'm too nervous. No, you already did a thing. We're already Ali Ali Oxen free on this. So so we we should probably pick a a certain YouTube video and a certain website. Yeah, dude. Um, Hey, everybody. Head on over to worldsgreatestconpodcast.com. And uh, there'll be an email list that you can sign up to. And when you sign up, you will get to watch the entire 37-minute first episode of the secret project that we've been working on for seven and a half, eight months now. (laughs) Every time that if you've watched live and Brian looks at me, there's been a a thing that's happened. And I really wish we could have kept a track of it because it would would have been a great super cut because Brian would do this move because we've been working on this for seven, eight months now. And uh, Brian, especially when I'm here, specifically when I'm here, Brian would do this thing where he would start talking about like, well, you know, there is, there is a thing that we can talk about. And then would, I would describe as sheepishly would slowly turn to me to see whether or not I would give the, okay. And I would say something probably unnecessarily harsh, like absolutely not shut up. Like only if I wanted to get stabbed in the neck. Uh, but that is what this project is. It's called uh, World's Greatest Con. It is a brand new podcast series uh, uh, that is is Brian's uh, project and, and Dog and Pony Show. My my production company helped uh, execute it, and uh, it's it's uh, something that I would really really love for everybody listening to uh, uh, at least give give a try. Can you uh, tell people where to get the first six minutes if they just want to sample it? Yeah, if if you go to youtube.com slash uh, um, uh, modern road, you'll see that the the most recent episode is sort of us playing the first six minutes. Um, um, the uh, I, I, I I think we're close enough to being able to give the full. Can can you tell people what the podcast is called or what it is about? Uh, well, I mean, it's called World's Greatest Con, and it's a continual quest to find uh, the ultimate uh, world's greatest con. And uh, it uh, it's uh, imagine uh, when we first started, our goal was imagine that you're at the end of the bar. It's close to closing time. Uh, uh, you're sitting there with Brian Brushwood, two beers in, and you ask him, what is the world's greatest con or what makes for a great con or whatever? Uh, you know, cause not for nothing, I've been studying and doing this stuff for 25 years. So a lot of this stuff just sort of pours out of you. Yeah, exactly. And, um, uh, danged if we, if we don't have four episodes of, of a very good contender for what could be the world's greatest con. And uh, the the response, I would say, conservatively, has been very, very positive. Uh, we've released a number of things. Um, I, 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 I don't know that I've seen, I, I, I don't know that I've ever witnessed 1,000 thumbs up and one thumbs down on a, on a full video. Yeah, it, it, the, the feedback has been over the top and amazing, uh, uh, which is great because we have poured more time into this than I think, uh, yeah, geez. I mean, it it is, I I could probably count on one hand, the amount of, uh, uh, time that I put into this, you know, comparatively for anything else. Uh, but, uh, it's, it's a four episode season of this one story, but I guarantee you, even if you are familiar 
with where this story goes. It is not the entirety of the podcast. There is there is a lot more there. We are not telling just uh, an exceptional story. And by the way, the story is almost beyond belief insane. Uh, but there's a lot of Brian in there. I would say, for my money, it's the most vulnerable that Brian has ever been in any medium. Uh, if you like us, if you like this show, you are going to... I think it's it would be very hard for you to not enjoy this series. So here's what you do right now. Go to worldsgreatestconpodcast.com, sign up for the email. I'm 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 giving you guys the guarantee that it will be very soon that this is available on on we could say this much. Uh, once you sign up on the email list, you'll immediately get access to the YouTube version of all of episode one. And, and if I were to uh, take a guess, I would place a bet on within 24 hours, there'll be an RSS feed where you'll have episodes one and episodes two. Yes. Uh, at that point, it's Ollie Ollie Oxen free. We're going to be talking about it as much as we can. But for right now, we have to keep everything Get on that the mail list. wall. Yeah. Get on that mailing list. It is crucial, crucial, crucial. And also, you you, you might, f I don't I don't know how you, if this has changed, but I believe the link that you will be looking for when you sign up is on the confirmation page. On the confirmation page. Yeah, so don't don't right. immediately X out the confirmation page. Right. Uh, that was kind of a. Just thing. go and yeah. click on that link and you will get the unlisted, uh, the unlisted episode one. Uh, as Hours. played, as played on uh, uh, a, 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 a for real, reel to reel, a uh, real yes. reel to reel machine. Yeah, yeah. No, I went and bought a reel to reel recorder because I found out that the technology was developed during World War II, and uh, uh, it was maybe the best three hundred and fifty bucks that I spent. So, uh, you know, what you're watching is us record the actual master, and in fact, a future episode, uh, there's a a, a vinyl. LP manufacturer here in town. And what I really want to do is get a limited run of two disc LPs of the entire first story. Uh, but that'll be down the road. Uh, so, so there we go. Uh, uh, world's greatest con podcast.com. Uh, please give it a try. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm, I'm exceptionally proud of Brian's, uh, hard work on it. And, and I think it's, I think it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, I'll double down on World's Greatest Con, but I also have something I, I really, really want to uh, uh, recommend to people. I just finished reading this this morning, and it it is a very long read. This is an article on Huffington Post from uh, Jessica Schulberg. Um, this this came out uh, about a week or so ago. Uh, it's called The Real World's Greatest Con, <laughs> and it's uh, about what well, frauds we are. Three... Okay, this is right. called uh, Kip Kinkle is Ready to Speak. It is about um, Kip Kinkle, who uh, I believe that's how you pronounce his name. He, uh, as a teenager, shot his parents and his classmates in school um, and has kind of been the poster boy for treating juveniles, tra uh, charging juveniles as adults. Um, and it's a very long read, both about uh, um, uh, about the incident that happened um, his silence over these past 30 years and, and why he's talking now because there are, there's legislation that affect other people who are in a similar situation and are, are thinking on how juvenile development has changed a lot since, uh, what, 1998 when he, did, when he initially did this. So um, I think it's a, it's a really fascinating read. Uh, break it up. Don't read it all in one thing. It's long and it is, can get kind of heavy, but I think it's, it's really fascinating and I feel like I walked away from it with a much greater understanding of 
of um, of underage uh, children doing heinous acts and uh, the ways that the uh, incarceration system is not really set up to rehabilitate them, despite our knowledge that they are the most they have the most potential to be rehabilitated. Um, I think it's fascinating. Um, it's on. We'll, we'll have the link in the show notes. Kip Kinkle is ready to speak on HuffPo. Uh, I think it's. I, I. I legitimately think it's. It's a really great read. Um, um, and also, world's greatest con podcast. Con. No, don't put it next to that. Well, yeah. see what I mean. Yeah. I know. Cool. All right. No, no, it's good. Lo- long reads. Everybody should 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 digest a long read now now and again. I, I think yeah. it is it is a lost art and and something that when it's done exceptionally well is probably the most enriching writing. And two for my money the kind of writing that has only gotten more interesting in our modern internet age, you know, in, in a way where you can't say that for a lot of news reporting, you can't say that for a lot of other writing, uh, feature writing and long form writing is something that I think has only gotten better and more exciting as we have given our, uh, all the gifts that the internet has given us. All right. Well, that'll do it for the weird things podcast today for Justin and Brian. I've been Bryce. It's been weird. Yeah. The Diamond Club hopes you have enjoyed this program.